You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Anyway, come with me in your Bibles. I've already wasted five minutes. Oh, dear Jesus. Uh, to Genesis 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, verse 7. Genesis 2, verse 7. It says that the Lord God uh, formed man from the dust of the ground. The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, and then the Lord God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath. Everyone say the breath. The breath of life. And then Adam became a living being. A living being. The reason I wanted to start there today is because I want to, I want to kind of straddle two assignments today. I, I, I want to speak prophetically to unveil and reveal what is happening uh, big picture in America, and then at the same time, I have you know the the duty of care to make sure that God imparts something to you, that that you walk out of here with something that you didn't you can't you can't get at a liquor store, you can't get at a marijuana dispensary, you can't get at a casino, can't get at a strip club, you can't get you know you, the house of God. The house of God is essential. The house of God, the, the greatest hope dealer in the city is the church. This is, this is where hope flows. And so I want to I kind of straddle those two things. And so the title of this message today is The Breath of God. If you said, what, what is God's plan for, for Salt Lake City? It's that, that people receive the breath of God. The breath of God is very different. I want you to notice it doesn't say that God formed Adam from the dust of the earth and then clothed him with religious garb. And to say that, you know, God, God, God created Adam and then put a priestly robe on him. God didn't create Adam and then give him a set of religious rules and which ward he was meant to go and worship at. God <sighs> breathed into Adam, literally the breath from God, into, into Adam and Adam <sighs> became a living being. This is before sin. Sin happens in the next chapter, but it's, it's a snapshot to show that God doesn't just create man. Adam was created, but not living. He wasn't living until the breath of God entered him. You, you, you could say, well, you know, we're going to baptize him Mormon. We're going to, you know, uh, we're going to declare that he's Buddhist. We're going to put some, some religious artifacts around his life. It, it doesn't matter. He was created, but he wasn't living until the breath of God entered him. And God's vision and God's purpose for Salt Lake City is that people would find relief and escape from religious ritual and actually come into an encounter with the breath of God. If you came here today and you're like, what does God want to do in my life? He doesn't want to make you religious. He wants to make you live. He wants to make you alive. And the way that that happens is, is the breath of God comes onto the inside of you. Now, we know it in the New Testament. Jesus says the wind blows wherever it wishes. You don't know where it comes from or where it's going. Likewise, or the same, it is with he who is born again. With born again. I tell you, unless you are born again, you won't see the, the kingdom of God. You won't enter the kingdom of God. So God's plan is that his breath enters you so that you are born again. That, that, that's literally the picture there. So come with me now, Ezekiel 37. I want to try and break this down in the few minutes that we have left and speak prophetically if I can. 
Um, Ezekiel in chapter 37 verse 1 says, The hand of the Lord came upon me and brought me out into the Spirit of the Lord and set me down in the middle of a valley. And indeed it was full of bones. And he caused me to pass by them all around. And behold, there were very, very many in the open valley. Indeed, they were very dry. And he said to me, Son of man, can these bones live? Son of man, can these bones live? So in case your mind wandered off for a second, uh, God has picked up Ezekiel and put him down in a valley. And when he's in the valley, all he sees is skeletons. All he sees is, is bones. He's surrounded by dead men's bones. He's surrounded by death. Brought him into a valley. Into a valley. So like he brought him into a valley. And even though there's religion and even though there's temples and even though there's artifacts, there's no life. It's, there's just dead men bones. And then the question is asked, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And I, I like Ezekiel because he's looking at impossible, but he knows you don't tell the God of impossible that something's impossible. Can I just encourage you today? Today in this house, you will hear things that will, will sound impossible will sound impossible. Adriana will tell you that, that the God that she serves is a God that heals cancer. But if, if, you would have, if you would have seen her diagnoses a couple of months ago, you would have said it's impossible. But I need you to understand the Bible says that what is impossible with man is possible with God. What is impossible with man is possible with God. Therefore, for me to see the impossible become possible, I've got to get with God. There, there are religions that are started by men. But unfortunately, you will live in the place where what is impossible with men. We didn't come here to bring religion. The valley's got enough religion. We came here to bring people to come from with men, it is impossible, but with God, to get you with God, where all things are possible to step into the All Things Are Possible network. How do I know that to be a fact? Because my life is a testimony. If you would have taken me back and said, hey, pastor, this is what your life's gonna look like, I would have said, you got rocks in your head. You're smoking crack. Can I have some? I mean, I would have said that. Because my life today is like, there's no, there's no, you know, Sesame Street, remember Sesame Street? One of these things is not like the other. One of these things just isn't the same. That was my life. My life was, Compared to where I am now, it was, it, no, there's no, there's, you can't. There's no, there's no pathway. Join the dots. It's a, it's a puzzle piece from a different puzzle. It doesn't fit, but that's what God does. That's what God does. All right, so, 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 all right. I'm gonna try and fast forward through the rest of the scripture because the clock's ticking. All right, so let me say this, let me say this. If you would have told me in January what 2020 was gonna be like, I would have said, listen, put me in a hib hibernation chamber and wake me in 2021. Just wake me when it's all over. Dear Jesus, what a freaking year. Can you believe it? My God, we get hit with COVID-19, lockdown, shutdowns, violence in the street, division, George Floyd, you know, you know, Antifa, BLM, rioting, division, chaos. Even, we can't even do an election. It's like, you know, two weeks later, it's all still, crazy so let me let me speak into that and let me tell you why why that's important why that's important the title of this message is the breath of God why, why is that important it's really interesting because 
when, when, uh, when George Floyd died, when George Floyd was, was you saw the images with the, with the, um, the knee of the, the cop on, on his back, pushing him into the ground. T-shirts were made. Black Lives Matter were riding in the streets and the T-shirts said, I can't, I can't, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. Hmm. I can't breathe. Then, then at the same time, America gets hit with a virus called COVID-19. COVID-19 arrests the respiratory system. People that get COVID, especially in the 70, 80 plus, get rushed to the hospital and they get put on ventilators because they can't, they can't breathe. They can't breathe. They can't breathe. Now, 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 California and all the states are saying that it's mandatory. Dr. Fauci says it's mandatory that people wear masks, breathing. I need you to understand that, that uh, earth is always meant to be a reflection of heaven. They will be done on earth as it is in heaven. May I suggest to you that, that, that what is going on on earth is quite often a reflection of something that is happening in the heavens, in the heavenly realm. The Bible teaches us that you and I live in, in dual kingdoms, that you and I live in, there's the kingdom of this world and then there's the kingdom of God. And you have to navigate your way through this, the kingdom of this world, but you're not citizens of this world when you're born again. You're born again and you are citizens of the kingdom of God. And our job, our job, our assignment is to bring the kingdom of God into the earth. Our job, our job is to overthrow the kingdoms of this world and make them the kingdoms of our Lord and Christ. Somebody say amen. amen. And so, so, there's, there's a, so we, see, we see that there is a resistance. We see that there is an attack from the enemy on, on, on the awakening, on the breathing, on, on breath, on God's breath, because God is coming to revive. The, the word revive means to breathe again. And we want revival, and revival is coming. God is sending revival. How do I know? Because of what, what the devil is up to. The devil is already giving away that one of the greatest moves of God, one of the greatest awakenings, one of the greatest revivals is about to hit. How do I know? Because on every level, on every level in this culture, he is attacking the breath of God. He's attacking the breath of God. So let me quickly try and keep moving. So, so then God says to him, prophesy, son of man, because he says, Lord God, you know. I'm not going to tell you something can't be done. Lord God, you know. And he says, prophesy to these bones and say to these bones, O dry bones, live. And so Ezekiel prophesies to the bones and the bones come together and sinew and flesh comes. And, and he says, and they come together, a great army, but there was no, no, no life in them. And, and then he's like, did I do something wrong? And God says, no, no, that was just phase one. Phase two, now prophesy to the wind, prophesy to the breath of heaven and prophesy, son of man, to the breath, that, that the breath may come, that these bones may live. And as he, he says, and as I prophesied, breath filled them and they stood up an exceedingly mighty army. And then it goes down and, and God says, I want you to take two sticks in verse 15 to 17. He says, I want you to take two sticks and I want you to write on one the name Judah and on the other one, I want you to write the name Ephraim. Ephraim was one of the sons of Joseph. Joseph had two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim when he was in, in Egypt. And he says, I want you to take these two sticks and I want you to tie them together and they'll become one in your hand. 
It's a powerful passage of Scripture. So let me now, now break it down. The, the, fir- the first thing that I want you to understand with the breath of heaven is the breath of heaven. When, when it comes, it'll cause you to believe differently. Yeah. It'll cause you to believe differently. You, you may say, well, you know, there are so many churches. I mean, we, we passed all these wards. We passed all these churches. There are so many churches. You know, and God, God, God bless them. Why, 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 why should we come to Awaken? What makes Awaken difference? I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Whatever house you sit under, there, there, is a, there is a revelation to that house. There is a teaching to that house. There are seven letters to seven churches in the book of Revelation. And the Bible says, um, uh, these things write, these things write to the angel of the church of Pergamon. Write, these things I have against you. These things you do well. To the angel of the church of Thyatira, write these things. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, write these things. And so, so there's, a, there's a revelation to each, each angel over a house. There's a revelation that is over awakened, that is different to the revelation over some of the wards that you would have passed by, some of the churches you would have passed by. Well, why, 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 why are you being so nitpicky? Well, I'll explain. Uh, because God says to Ezekiel, in the midst of a valley of dead bones, he says, Ezekiel, son of man, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And when Ezekiel looks at death and he looks at impossibility all around him, he says, oh, Lord God, you know, you know. And then God says to him, I want you to prophesy into impossibility. Prophesy that these bones live. And he says, so I did as I was commanded. I did as I was commanded. Twelve spies cross the Jordan River and go into the promised land. Twelve spies go into the promised land and they see, they see cities that are fortified. They see these cities that are, that are compounds, that, that are heavily, heavily uh, walled and secured and have armory and defense mechanisms. Not only that, the Bible says, but they, they, they saw giants in that land. They saw the sons of Anak. Anak, who, who were, they say, as tall as trees in this land. Canaan was filled with, with all kinds of demonic, all kinds of, and they saw the giants in this land. The Bible says that 10 spies came back saying, truly the land is like God promised, a land flowing with milk and honey. However, God, as usual, left out the little details. He didn't tell us there was going to be freaking giants in there. He never mentioned anything that we'd be outmatched outgunned, out-weaponized, out-armored. We are not able to take it. We were like grasshoppers in their sight and we were like grasshoppers in our sight. They are, the people are too strong for us. But there were two spies, Joshua and Caleb, who said, what are, you, what, what are you talking about? Their protection has departed from them. They are our bread. They are our food. Let us rise up at once. So who was right, the 10 or the two? Now, the people who have heard this before answered correctly and said both. Now, watch this. Both. And it's a, it is a trick question because your, your default, if you know your Bible, is the two. Joshua and Caleb are right. But the actual answer is all 12 were correct. The 10 who said it is impossible, it cannot be done, were 100% correct. 
They died on this side of the Jordan River. They never crossed. They never entered the promised land. They never got to eat the fruit of the promised land again. They never got to enjoy the spoils. They never got to see the land divided as an inheritance to them. As an inheritance to them. Just take a break for another five. I don't know what the heck is going on. I haven't even had 20. It's not even 20 minutes yet. Dear Jesus. I don't know whether I preached boring last time and everyone's like, I don't know what I did wrong, but dear Jesus. I'll I'll give you guys a a thumbs up in a sec. The 10 spies didn't correct, but you know, the two spies, Joshua and Caleb, they were also 100% correct. They crossed the Jordan. They took Jericho, they took Ai, they took Jebus, they took city after city, stronghold after stronghold. They dispossessed the nations and they possessed the land and Israel lives there to this day because of them. Now that tells me, that tells me, I don't wanna be the 10. I don't wanna be the popular opinion. I don't wanna be the people that say that something cannot be done because my life, watch this, my life will reflect my belief. I'm not sure whether you realize this, but only twice in the Bible, only twice in the New Testament, were believers called Christians. You know, I'm a Christian, you know, and that's, God bless you, but, but only twice in, in the New Testament were we called Christians, and both times it was derogatory. All the way through the New Testament, we were referred to as believers. Jesus says, whosoever believes will not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you believe this? Martha, do not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God. You, you, you don't behave your way forward, you believe your way forward. Believing is so important because what you believe determines what you perceive. What you believe determines what you perceive. This is, this is I'm not gonna be able to get to my other points. I'm just gonna have to land on this one. No, no. Uh, so, so, so 10 spies, because of what they believed, watch this, their perception was, we are not able to take it. They are too mighty. They are mightier than we are. We were like grasshoppers in our sight and we were like grasshoppers in their sight. That was their perception. Their perception was, this is impossible Don't even bother, don't even waste your time. The casualties will be too great. Their perception, what they perceived was based on what they believed. Now, what they believed determined what they perceived, but also determined what they received. Because they never got to enter the promised land. Now, Joshua and Caleb said, what are you guys talking about? Watch this. Watch what they say. Their protection has departed from them. They are our bread. They are our food. Let us rise up at once for we are well able to take them if the Lord delights in us. Same giants, same strongholds, same sons of Anak, same cities, same warriors, same defense mechanisms, but two different perceptions. Because these, Joshua and Caleb believed the word of the Lord. These guys believed 
their senses. Our job on a Sunday is to move you from your sensory perceptions into an alignment with the Word of God that unlocks, that unlocks the all things are possible network. And all of a sudden you'll begin to see differently. You begin to see opportunity where everyone else sees bleak. Oh, you know, COVID lockdowns, you know, 2,400 businesses are never going to open again. And it's hard. And, you know, the government, we need to be. No, 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 no. All of a sudden, you will see differently. You will see that you don't need to fail. You don't, you'll see that you don't need to be foreclosed on. You'll see that you don't need to step back, that you can step up. You'll begin to see differently. We, we noticed this a few years ago, or well, actually, Two years ago, when, when was it we were in Israel? Was that last year or the year before? It was last year, all right, last year. We're, we're driving in Israel, we're driving south, we're going to uh, Engedi and Masada. And as, as we're coming, as we're on the bus, we're heading south. And on the left-hand side was, you could see the, the Jordan River was kind of going down there. And there was this, the most unbelievably lush, like for, for miles and miles and miles, greenery and avocado trees and mango trees. And I love mangoes. I never got to eat one while I was there, but mango trees and, and palms and date palms and honey. And, and I mean, it, it, just, it just kept going on mile after mile after mile. And then um, Shraga, our, our tour guide said, this land used to belong to the Palestinians. This, this used to be PLO land till just a, a number of years ago. In the last seven years, that land went from the Palestines and now belongs to Israel. He says, because this land is ours now, see all of these fruit trees, see all of these date palms, see all of the things that are growing down there. We are now the number three exporter of fruits and ex exotic honey in the world. We, we, from Israel, we have more than enough for us, so we ex export it all over the world. Number three. Th th this is a nation of a few million. This is a tiny, yeah. tiny little... You, you can fit Israel inside of Utah. This tiny, and it's yet it's number three. And when, when, when the Palestinians owned this same land, it was a desert. It was a desert. It didn't produce anything. Same land. Oh yeah, it was probably when they owned it, it was a drought. No, no drought. Same Jordan River. What was the difference? The difference was what the, what the Muslims believed. Here he goes again. He's one of those xenophobes. Look at him up there. You know, it's wrong to, you know, it's wrong to mock other religion. Hang on, just let me just explain. Let me explain something. When, when it belonged to the Muslims, when it belonged to the Palestinians, the way that they looked at that land, it was through the lens of what they believed. They believed that Allah cursed the ground. Because Allah cursed the ground, the ground is cursed and there's nothing you or I can do about it. Therefore, they just allowed it to be dry, arid desert. But when the land was restored back to Israel, the, the, the Jews in Judaism believed that, yes, God said to Adam, cursed be the ground for your sake. But God immediately sets into motion that man is meant to redeem that which was lost. That God gave the children of Israel, 
the atonements, the covenants, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, because we are meant to redeem that which has fallen. We're meant to bring back that which is under the curse. And so they believed that this land that was cursed, this land that was, that was dry, barren, and desert, they believed that as the children of the one true God, they were called to redeem the land. Today, it is the most fruitful and fertile land so that it, it, it doesn't just bless and nourish the entire populace of the nation of Israel, but it is an export. Same land, same Jordan River, same sky, same atmosphere. It is exactly the same land. It's just the hands that it's in is in the hands of people who believe differently. Because they believe differently, they perceive differently. Because they perceive differently, they receive. They receive differently. Our assignment, our assignment, Awaken Church's assignment is to get you into alignment with the Word of God. When the Word goes in, you know when the Word goes in because you see differently. He says, Son of Man, what do you see? And he says, I see dead bones everywhere. I see, I'm surrounded by death. He says, can these bones live? In other words, the, the, the question from God when you walk into the house of God is how do you see the world around about you? How do you see what's going on? How do you see your life? How do you see your marriage? How do you see your finances? How do you see your children? How do you see your future? How do you see? Because you'll, you'll, know, you'll know the level of word you're in alignment with by the way that you see. You'll know the level of word that is in your life by the way that you see. If you have low level word, you, you'll see impossible. You'll see too difficult. I don't want you to be the 10. I want you to be the two. I want you to be the two where people say, whoa, whoa, whoa hang on, hang on. I did better with, than you in, in school. You, you dropped out of college. I, I'm smarter than you. I, I got a greater start. My, my uncle owns the company. He made me CFO. How, how are you flourishing? How are you? And you can say it's because I sit in a house where I hear a word from heaven. And I've made a decision. If God says it, I'm going to believe it. And that settles it. Because when the word goes in, my seeing goes up. When the Word goes in, I begin to see differently. As I see differently, as I perceive differently, it changes the, the trajectory of my life. And now I receive differently. I receive differently. Oh, man. I'm going to finish. Oh, no, I can't. I can't. No, Vince said if I go over time, he's never having me back. I mean, he is, he is a bully. He met me in the parking lot this morning. He said, no, don't go over otherwise. It'll be six months till we have you. Somebody talk to him. And uh, as the word goes in, but can I just say this? That the most, the most beautiful thing is as the word goes in, God causes Ezekiel to begin to prophesy. Now watch this. Let me, let me finish on this. And he prophesies to the breath. After he prophesies to the breath, God does does two things. He says, I want you to take two sticks. And all of a sudden you're like, okay, two sticks, all right. Little weird. Don't know where this going. He says, I want you to write on one the name Judah. All right, God. The Bible says you're not meant to have favorites, but obviously <laughs> Judah's one of your favorites. 
And he says, and on, on the other one, I want you to write Ephraim. He's like, why don't I just write Joseph? Joseph was one of the 12. He says, no, Ephraim, the son of Joseph. And then I want you to tie them together and the two will become one in your hand. The name Judah means praise. The name Judah means praise. The name Ephraim means fruitful in a foreign land. Fruitful in a foreign land. The story, a lot of people just finish the story with the, the, the exceedingly great army standing up, but the story goes on that God gives us a key here. So I began telling us that in 2020, there, there was, the devil was attacking breath, was attacking breath. Uh, in, in California, our governor, crazy governor Gavin Newsom, Mussolini, has said that you can go to church, you just can't, you just can't sing, you can't. Do you know the earth is never more like heaven than when we're praising? Now watch this, watch this. There's been one nation, one nation that has been viciously attacked with, with genocide, with a, a genocidal agenda for thousands of years. Which nation is it? In, in Germany, and I was born in Germany, and I remember my, my Oma and my Opa telling me about and showing me Juden verboten, which means Jews forbidden. Jews forbidden. The word Jew comes from the tribe Yehuda, the tribe of Judah. It's interesting because there are 11 other tribes. The tribe of Naphtali, the tribe of Benjamin, but yet, yet the enemy, Hitler's final solution wasn't going after Benjamin, wasn't after going after Naphtali, wasn't going after Joseph, it was going after Judah, it was going after Judah, because the devil knows if he can wipe out praise in the earth. Judah means praise. He knows that they will be down on earth as it is in heaven. When the earth is praising, angels have a Forrest Gump moment. Remember Forrest Gump? Jenny, it was so beautiful. I didn't know where the earth finished and heaven began. I wish I was with you, Forrest. You were. You see that beautiful, and you see the sun setting. It even looks like maybe he's running through Moab or somewhere. I mean, it's just stunning. He, he couldn't tell where the earth finished and heaven began. When you're, when you're in praise and worship, angels are almost discombobulated because they can't tell where earth finishes and heaven begins. Now watch this, watch this. There are 12 tribes, 12 tribes in Israel. I'm, I promise I'm landing. In fact, music, musicians, you can come to make sure I finish. Otherwise, he's already looking at me like this. Oh my gosh, he's a bully. You need to talk to your son. He's a bully. Did you raise him to be a bully? I can't believe that. Watch this. 12 tribes. And when the kingdom of Israel was split into two, it was split into the one kingdom, Israel, the 11 tribes, and one kingdom, the kingdom of Judah. Jesus came from Judah. David came from Judah. In fact, the, the tribe of Judah was so fruitful it was almost as numerous as all the other 11 tribes put together. Did you know that? 
If you, if you look at the numbers, the numbers of Judah, the, the, because the pathway to increase in your life is praise. The pathway to fruitfulness in your life is praise. If the devil can take away your praise, he shuts the factory down. Oh man. When David brings the ark into Israel, he's twirling and dancing. And the Bible says that Michael, his daughter, Michal, his daughter, sees him and she curses David in her heart. And then she says to him, how glorious was the king today twirling like one of the, the base men. I saw your boxer shorts as you were twirling. That's not how kings behave. And the Bible says that she, she, she despised and she criticized and she cursed David in her heart. David was praising God and she was cursing. And the Bible says, from that day, the Lord closed her womb. In other words, fruitfulness left her because when she had the opportunity to praise, she went criticize. Praise always unlocks fruitfulness. But you don't understand, Pastor. You don't understand like the obstacles. You don't understand. First city that they come into in, in, when they cross the Jordan River is what's the city? Jericho. First city, first city. Okay, you're going to take Jericho. All right, what, what, what do we use, Lord? Do we use like cannonballs, like, like pound the walls, bring the walls down. I'll see where this is going, God. He's like, no, no cannonballs. All right, Ooh, ramming rods. We get giant ramming rods. We ram those. No, no, no ramming rods. Um, like, do we get like those concrete? He's like, no, no, no concrete. No, they haven't invented those yet. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, how, how, do we, how do we bring these giant walls down? Walls so high and thick chariots could race around on top. God says, just march around it every day for six days. And on the seventh day, you're gonna do seven laps. Ma, ma, just like walk around it. Yeah, just walk like hiking. Yeah, kind of like that. But And then on the seventh, on the seventh time, blow the trumpets and then shout a shout of praise. God was saying that you, if you just praise, as you praise, you have no idea what the devil has set in motion against you, what the devil has set in motion to stop you, what the devil has fortified against you. Those walls come down, not because of your effort, not because of your strength, not because of your technology, but when you shout a level of praise because, because God inhabits the praises of His people. Psalm 22 verse 4 says, the Lord God inhabits, dwells in that praise. As your praise goes up, His power comes down. Awaken will be known as a praise house in Salt Lake City because we're going to see the spiritual strongholds. We're going to see the walls of religious division come down, come down, come down over the valley because our praise is going to go up and bring the walls down. But Judah and Ephraim, Ephraim means fruitful in a foreign land. Fruitful in a foreign land. I am, I am Ephraim. I am fruitful in a foreign land. God sent me to San Diego. Suitcases, my beautiful Liani and three little boys. And we land and we know nobody. We've got no one to meet us at the airport, nobody to take us anywhere. And the house that I rented, the guy, while we were in transition, rented to somebody else. 
So we land there and there's no room in the inn. Familiar story. And I remember getting a hotel. It's now 1.30, almost two in the morning, carrying my, my, little, my little Tommy, who was like almost three, putting him into the bed, going down. Couldn't remember whether I locked the car, blip, blip, locked the car. And then I just thought, what have I done? And I look up into the sky and see all the stars. And as clear as I've ever heard the devil speak, he said, you idiot. You just put a hundred grand on your mortgage in Australia to start the church here, yeah, guess what? No one's coming to your church. No one knows you here. You should have stayed down under. No one's gonna turn up. That hundred grand, it's gonna be gone. You're gonna lose everything. Nobody's coming to your church. You are gonna fail miserably. I'm like, flap, where were you a month ago? <laughs> Thanks, man. Oh, man, one way. And then the Holy Spirit had to interrupt. He says, Yerks, Yerks, the devil's a liar. Hang on a minute, you're a. So I didn't bring you here to fail. He says, and I'm not building the church on who knows you. I am building my church. And if you just do what I tell you, people will come and the church will grow. Ephraim, fruitful in a foreign land. Now you may say, well, hang on, hang on. The dream I have in my heart doesn't match my education, doesn't match, I don't have a doctorate in, I don't have training in, I don't have a PhD. God would say to you that there's an anointing in this house where you can be fruitful in a foreign land. Well, well, hang on, no, 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 I, I was trained in college in this sphere, but now God has got me in, you can be fruitful in a foreign land. You don't understand, Pastor, I grew up with, with generational poverty. I grew up with generational welfare. You're gonna be fruitful in a foreign land. You will not be on welfare. You will, you will, you will bring other people out of poverty. You will give jobs to people so that they don't be in welfare because you're gonna be fruitful in a foreign land. But everything comes back to what you believe. What you believe changes what you, come on, if you receive that word today, give God a great amen. Come on, give Him an amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, lift your hands high. Let me pray your blessing over you. Father, I thank you right now. Thank you right now. Father, I thank you right now. Lord God, that we sit in a house where we hear, not, not religious instruction, but we hear words from heaven. And I pray, Father God, today as the Word goes in, that we would allow Your Word to govern what we believe. Because we know that what we believe determines what we perceive. And what we perceive determines what we receive. Father, forgive us for saying it's impossible. It's too hard. It's too difficult. The obstacles in front of us are, too, are greater than the God that is with us. Fooey to that. What a lie. Joshua and Caleb said, if God is with us, He is greater than the giant. When David walked into the valley of the shadow of death, everyone was saying, oh, how's he going to go against this 10 foot tall giant? David knew that the giant wasn't the giant in the valley. David said to the giant, you come against me with your weaponry, sword, spear, spirit, but I brought somebody else into this valley. I brought somebody else into the battle. 
The Lord is my shepherd, said David. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. David knew that he brought with him, that he was carrying with him into that valley, facing that giant that day, the God of gods, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the creator, the master of the universe. David knew in that valley, the giant before him wasn't the big guy in the valley. He knew his God in this house. I want you to know that the God who is in you and the God who is for you and the God who is with you is greater than anything that you're facing, anything around about you. Come on, if you believe that, give God a praise. Give Him a praise. Come on, give Him a praise. Fruitful in a foreign land. Fruitful in a foreign land. Amen. Just stay standing, but just close your eyes. I've got a hand back. Otherwise, for real, they're never going to have me back. If you've never surrendered to this God, if you've never surrendered to Christ, you may say, well, you know, I'm religious. And, you know, that can, that can be good. It, it can also be bad. I'll be honest. God didn't want you to be religious. He wanted you to be His. God wants you to be born again. What does that mean? Does that mean I'm going to join a church? No, born again simply means let His breath. <sighs> 34 years ago on a beach, the breath of heaven came into my life and I was born again and I saw the whole world differently. That's what He wants for you. If you're away from God, come back. If you once walked with God, but you slipped away, turned away, ran away, felt you're just away, would you come back? So while every head is bowed, every eye closed, if I'm speaking to you, you need to connect with God, reconnect with God, come back to God. That you, would you, while every head is bowed, every eye closed, just give me a wave of your hand. I'm going to say a prayer for you, and then I'll hand back to Pastor. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Who else there? Thank you, beautiful. I see your hand, darling. Is there somebody else? Thank you over there. Thank you over there. Thank you over there. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you up the back, darling. I see your hand. Anybody else? Anybody else? Is there one more? Is there one more? Thank you, sir. I see that hand. Thank you, sweetie. I see your hand up the back. Thank you. Thank you, darling. I see your hand in there, beautiful. God bless you. While her head's about and her eyes closed, say these words out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you today that you so love me. You sent Jesus from heaven on a rescue mission to save my life. Jesus, thank you that when you died on the cross and shed your blood, you broke the power of sin and death over my life. You broke the power of separation. Today I am a child of God. Heaven is my home. God is my Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.